Welcome to episode number seven of the Rebel Ed Podcast. I'm Connor Salmons, and today I am joined with Jackson Kane. Today should be a very good episode as we interview a local crop duster and South Gray's math teacher. Let's jump right in. All right, our first guest on today's podcast is a founder of Prop Ag, Nathan Moore. Nathan, you attended K-State Salina, which is K-State's campus for students to pursue a career in aviation. What made you interested in flying? Well, when I was young, my father had his private pilot certificate. He never owned an airplane, but we would go fly some just for fun and always had an interest in aviation through that. All right. So what exactly did you study at K-State? My degree was actually called technology management, which was some business classes, and and then the, the technology part was the, the aerial all the aerial ratings for my, I had my private instrument commercial multi for, is what I got from there. And then all my instructor ratings, I, I could instruct when I left there in, for private instrument commercial and multi-engine. And then the business, kind of a business degree basically is what it was. Oh yeah. Interesting. So what all is covered in this program? Like what classes are kind of taught? Well, a lot of, a lot of, uh, of course, I end up with a four-year bachelor's degree out of there. A lot of a lot of business management classes, at calculus, algebra, trigonometry. You know, a lot of normal classes you would get with a four-year degree. Yeah. Plus all the flight ratings. So, like after graduating from K State, what was the first job you had? The first job I had was for a small cargo company out of Kansas City called Central Air Southwest. We flew small twin-engine piston airplane and hold a lot of like airborne packages out of Wichita and Kansas City kind of around the Midwest some lab samples different things like that yeah and then when I was preparing these questions I didn't know like a lot of the jobs you had and I heard you work for Cessna is that right yeah I worked I, I flew for Central Air then I worked for an air ambulance company called Eagle Med was based out of Dodge City, flew corporate for a while, and then actually you know, my job at Cessna, I was in their production flight test department, which not engineering flight tests, they were certified airplanes, but the jets, as they'd come off the line, we'd take them up for their first flight and run them through paces and oh, yeah. with just two pilots normally. And did you also work for uh, Coke Industries? Yeah, right before Cessna, I, I worked for Coke for a short time there in Wichita and flew flew corporate for them so did you ever get to meet the Koch brothers yeah I actually hauled both the the two Koch brothers that one was based in Wichita and one was in New York but I flew both of them a few times and lots of executives attorneys wow. managers and that's uh, crazy uh, it is yeah they were they had good equipment and good maintenance and and the, everybody was cordial and friendly that we hauled flew a Lear 45 for for there wow so on on to Eagle Med, what was it like being the pilot for a, a flying ICU? It was a kind of rewarding job. The things I liked about it was you felt like you were providing a, a good service for the community and people that were sick or or having health issues. It was nice to feel like you were providing a good service. And it was kind of interesting. You never knew where you were going to go. At that time, we had pagers before smartphones, but when the pager would go off, you never knew where you were going to go until you looked at the page. It was kind of interesting. So did you have to stay at the airport, kind of like what 
people who drive the ambulance does they have to stay at the shed at sometimes at that time we just had to be 30 minutes we had to be in the air in 30 minutes so i was based in dodge city i went and covered at some other bases and then we'd usually stay at the airport but in dodge our house was close enough where we could i could just be at home like if it was night and we'd be in air in 30 minutes usually oh yeah so while you were flying for Eagle Med, did you have to know anything about taking care of the patient, or was your only task at hand just flying the plane? Basically flying the airplane. We actually helped load the patient the way they slide the men on the stretcher in the aircraft. We would be the one in the airplane that would actually help load them. But then as soon as they were loaded, we would jump in the front and, and just basically be flying. There was always a, at least had to be one nurse on the flight usually sometimes two nurses but sometimes there's a nurse and a paramedic but there was always two in the back and so they usually managed all the patient care so what was the typical plane you would fly when you were flying for eagle med was there just one plane you were flying yeah there they had multiple ones but a king air it was a c90 king air is what i flew for them at that time a twin engine turboprop pressurized small airplane so do you have any accident stories while you're doing that luckily no no accidents a few you know minor mechanical things but nothing too too exciting thankfully at that time or were there like any patients that you were hauling that were like holy cow i can't believe this is going on right behind me when i'm flying this airplane yeah when the when the med crews say clear when they're getting ready to try to put the paddles on somebody and they said they told me in the briefing you know if we yell clear you might just take your hands off the controls in case there's some charge that goes through the aircraft you, you, you kind of have to compartmentalize that though and, and focus on the flying because a lot of times you're at night and bad weather and there's a lot going on and we flew single pilot there was only one pilot and so you, you had to just kind of compartmentalize that and focus on the task at hand yeah i bet that could get pretty stressful at times yeah so was eagle med like contracted from all these different hospitals or? Yeah, they were. They had contracts with, with different hospitals. And sometimes even that you would go to hospitals they didn't have a contract with because the helicopter, the plane that was contracted with that facility may have been out on a flight. So we would go cover for oh, those yeah. other hmm. operators. So what made you decide to move from Wichita to Montezuma? Well, you mentioned before I, I was working for Cessna in their production flight test department. And like the the last full year I worked for Cessna, they... I think we delivered a little over 300 jets, and the downturn in the economy in 2008 slowed the sales down tremendously, and they started producing less and laying off. So I actually got laid off from Cessna in, I believe it was January of 2009, and was looking for different opportunities. I'd always had an interest in spraying, and I got an opportunity for a guy named Max Burney and in Sublette had a business and he was actually just building the they just put in the runway at Montezuma and he was building a hangar at the Montezuma airport and he asked if I'd wanted to move to Montezuma and and fly off the of Montezuma airport so, so before the grass strip or it was right after the right after they built the oh, yeah. asphalt runway mm. so today you work for yourself so what all takes place during your busy spraying season well, I have two great people that I work with that I lean on, and they, they're huge help, Mark and Marcus, and they do a lot of the work to around there as well to originate the work. You know, we we have an intense – it's a short season, but it's intense from from the work being called in to get the right inventory to put on the, the right chemistry that they're looking for. And then sometimes we, 
we always are <laughs> the weather is our biggest adversary the the wind you know the if there's rain we haven't had much rain this year but you know, a lot of that chemistry it has to be on for a certain period before it's rained fast and the biggest thing is it's not just the wind being down but there's a lot of times we have to have wind a certain direction like for what we're applying herbicide beside a a, a uh, crop that the herbicide will kill we have to have the wind blown away from it so that's that's a lot of our our uh, things that we do so what type of airplane do you actually spray with Oh, we have an air a 602 air track. Air tractors are made in Texas is the brand, kind of like John Deere, and then the, it's a 602. They make four different models. Ours is the is the second largest. It's a 630 gallons that holds in the hopper and 230 gallons of fuel. Yeah, so I I know some areas like Colorado they spray with helicopters. Have you ever had a experience flying in a helicopter or? I no, I've ridden a few times just just real briefly, but I, I have no helicopter time as far as flying. Is there any spraying helicopters in this area? Yeah, there's a few around. Uh, Tri-Rotor, I know how our competitor there, they have a couple. And there's one in Ulysses or two on the field there. And they do some crops. I, I know, especially a lot of those smaller helicopters, their focus, they do more like uh, uh, pipeline right-of-ways or railroad right-of-ways where there's confined spots and they try to keep the growth down like over a pipeline or around power lines that kind of thing the helicopters do a lot of that and they 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 spray normal crops as well they typically are a little slower and haul less but they land a lot of times on a truck or right beside the field so they can refill fairly fast so what's the most nerve-wracking part of your job, considering that you fly really low to the ground and over pl- power lines and stuff? You know, the most nerve-wracking part is, I, I mentioned some of this probably a little bit ago, is nobody wants to get the work done more than we do. And when, when you get a lot of, of uh, work to do, and then we get a period where the wind blows for two or three days and we're grounded and we can't get anything done and the work stacks up, that, that probably is some of the most nerve-wracking time because we're just – we're not getting any progress made on what we have to do. So if you had to estimate, I know you probably don't know this off the top of your head, but how many total hours do you think you've spent flying your entire life? Uh, I haven't filled my logbook out for a while, but between, probably between 12,500 and 13,000, so right in there. So, so how many hours of that was before you started the spray? 5,000, maybe 5,500. Wow. Probably. So out of all those hours, what would you say your favorite part about flying is? You know, it's it's just sometimes it's stressful, like I said, when there's work to be done. But you know those nice, nice calm morning when you take off at daylight and, and turn and watch the sun come up as you're flying out to the field and the air's smooth. It's, just, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So did you, once you came out of college, did you ever think about flying for the airlines or... I did actually. I I did an internship actually at Southwest Airlines. I spent a semester in Dallas and worked at headquarters at Southwest, and I was kind of wanted to go that direction. I actually went and got a 737 type rating and thought that's the way I was going to go. But then I started working for Eagle Med, and I was home every night or day, you know, where you're working around instead of being gone half the time and living out of a suitcase and spending half your time in a hotel and. I kind of, 
I kind of lean more that way then and, and away from the airlines for that reason. Yeah. So are you are you thinking about spraying your entire life when you get to like your 50s and 60s or? You know, probably, probably now if the work is still there, it's kind of something that I've invested a lot into and I like the lifestyle and the, and it feels like it's similar to the air ambulance, not exactly the same, but you feel like you're providing a good service. Yeah. Taking care of crops that, that need taken care of and helping the growers feed the world. Mm-hmm. So back to crop dusting, have you had to take any emergency landings? I have actually. I About 10 years ago, I was spraying cotton field over near Satana, west of here, about 25, 30 miles. And I actually, the engine quit when I was spraying, when I was going across the field. And I was very fortunate to be in a good, in a good position to land where there was no trees or power lines or anything. And I was able to but it was a small CRP field, actually, that it landed in, and there was no damage to the airplane. So, like, when you were sitting in the cockpit, like, what were you thinking? Because that's basically what's only taught in flight lessons of like that. I mean, you would never want that to yeah, happen. I can still see it in slow motion. I, I was I was going to try to land on the road that I just crossed, and I was starting to bank pretty hard for the road. And then I, I could feel everything getting slow, and... I, I remember thinking to myself, you dummy, just level the wings and land this thing straight ahead. And so I leveled the wings, and I reached over to dump. There's a dump handle on the spray plane where you can open a big gate, and it, it releases the spray out of the, out of the hopper. And I remember looking, and I had 149 gallons of water spray still in the hopper. But I, I thought to myself, if I dump this, I was coming up to a crossroad, and there was a power line and a, another crossroad and a ditch. And I thought, I'm going to float. The airplane would get that weight off, and I would float into that power line. So I just put the flaps down and landed straight ahead. And I roll, I remember I rolled up to the corner, and there was a, a road sign. It was just two county roads, you know, an intersection. And I called the guy I worked with at that time. I was who I work with now, actually, our office manager. And I said, I'm sitting at 190th and 4 Road or whatever I told him. And so he said, are you serious? And I said, yeah, send somebody to come get me. So that's what we did. So did you just end up towing the airplane back to the airport? Or? Yeah, it was about six miles back to the Satana Airport, and we towed it over to there. So what, was, what ended up wrong with the engine? You know, the main uh, bearing had seized in a gearbox, and it was a turboprop engine, actually, but the main bearing had seized and just the gearbox came clear apart. I mean, yeah, the engine was was damaged heavily. So, so you just had to end up changing the engine and the rest of the airplane was fine? Yep. yep. All right. So our last question for today is, what advice would you give to anyone who is wanting to become a pilot or is wanting to pursue a flying career? Because I know there's a lot of students at South Gray who are interested in flying. Yeah, it's, it's a really – it's a good industry, and, and there's a lot of opportunities right now especially – I've been through several up and down cycles in the 27 years that I've flown and it it's a it's a uh, rewarding industry. I would say that it it definitely changes quickly. You know, there can go from a lot of opportunities. I have friends that have been laid off multiple times like in the airline industry, they'll be one one month be great and the next month they'll be on furlough, you know, yeah. and waiting to be called back. I will say though after being at like uh, K-State Salina and then instructing there and teaching a lot of students there. Sometimes I, I think it's maybe uh, more work to become a professional pilot than what some people perceive it to be. 
and and it's also not as glamorous as some people think. You know, yeah. it, it is a lot of time away from the family, like in the airline industry, because you do spend time in the hotels, being away from home for multiple days or some up and up to weeks, depending on your schedule and stuff. All right. Well, thank you for coming on today. Yes, yep. thank you. That was very interesting. Yes, it was. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Our last guest for today's interviews is an individual who holds many titles here at South Gray. She is our very own math teacher and scholars book coach, as well as the club leader for K's and NHS, Miss Shelby Axtell. All right, Miss Axtell, you graduated South Gray in 2017. Where did you go to college after that, and what did you major in? Right out of high school, I went to Butler Community College in El Dorado, majoring in a business administration degree. And then after that, I did kind of take a semester off and then ended up moving back home and attended Wichita State University to get my degree in education. All right. So when did you first figure out you wanted to become a teacher? When I moved home, um, they needed a fifth grade teacher in Copeland, and it was um, presented to me. And so I decided to take that position um, and obtain my education degree. So when you graduated South grade, did you ever think about becoming a teacher or was your mind just set on majoring in business? The mind was set on major, majoring in business. Um, I guess teaching was going to be my backup plan. Oh, if yeah. That didn't work out. But So how long have you been teaching here at South Gray? This is my fourth year at South Gray. My first two years I taught fifth grade in Copeland, and then this is my second year at the high school. All right. So are you looking to stay as a math teacher, or considering, um, or are you considering being a business teacher if that um, – job pops up since you don't since you do have an associates in business um I do like business specifically accounting it's probably my favorite class in high school um aside from math but I really like math um and I like what I do so I'll probably stay with math all right so as we previously stated you are a sponsor for a couple different clubs is there any upcoming events or fundraisers you'd like to inform our students or the rebel community about um, Fundraising-wise, Kay's just got done selling donuts, and those got delivered just a couple weeks ago. NHS sold coupon books at the beginning of the year, and those are still available in the office. If anybody wants one, needs an extra one, they'll make a great Christmas gift. All right. And how many donuts did we sell? Like 1,400? We sold 228 dozen. I'll let Jackson do the math on Well, you're a one. math teacher, so... You got it, Jackson. No. <laughs> <laughs> so since you're the Scholars Book Coach... Um, how's the season going so far? So far, it's been good. We've had four meets, um, three varsity meets and one JV meet. Um, our JV went to Buckland and did place first out of 11 teams. Which is a bit <laughs> ironic because the man sitting right beside you was not a part of that team. I was left out. Connor's still a little salty. There's no one more JV than me. And the, the day he leaves, they, they get a first place finished. Connor was a little little upset because he didn't get the, the gold medal there. But, but that's we, okay. We did go to Hodgman County last week and came home with third place, so Connor got his medal. We weren't sure if we were going to keep it at first, but it ended all right. Satana ended up second place. We were calculating, and the score sheet was wrong, and Satana almost had our medals, but it worked out. We, we stayed with third. So yeah. do you have any comments you'd like to make about this year's team or maybe just the JV team? On the Buckland meet? Uh, we played, we did real good at the JV meet in Buckland, just lost one round. But overall, I have 11 students out, um, recruited a couple injured kids that aren't going to, they may get back into basketball. But we got a great group and we should do decent at league. We have a good chance to place. 
Yeah, that's the funny thing about Scholars Bowl. It seems like every year that Connor gets hurt, he's like, play Scholars Bowl or do Scholars Bowl because I can't do anything else. Same thing with Dalton Winfrey this year, but yeah, they've been really good. I've been impressed with them, and they do well when we go. It puts together like a group of kids that we don't usually hang out a lot um, together. So I don't know. I'm ha- I'm enjoying it. It's yeah. a lot of fun. So outside of school, do you have any um, hobbies you'd like to share? Oh, I run a side business. So I'm doing a lot of different crafting stuff. I like to read books. I often am in the kitchen cooking and baking, and then. I build a house. All right. <laughs> so um, when did you first get into baking? Um, when I was a freshman, my grandma on my mom's side um, kind of took me under her wing and taught me how to decorate cakes, and I thought that's what I wanted to do. Life plans change, and now I'm teaching, but freshman year I really started baking and kind of just did it on the side from there. Hmm. So it's not a business for you anymore? You Like you're not taking orders or – um, not usually. It's just whatever you want to Depends if I have time, depends if I can do it. A lot of times I bake for my students. Yeah, and that's that's one great thing about Miss Saxo is every single birthday she brings us a snack. Mm-hmm. So, you know. The whole not, class, not just for one person, the whole class. She'll bring us brownies, cookies, everything. Gluten-free, yeah. Yep. Takes a lot of work. But, so how about for T-shirts? Are you open for orders for T-shirts or is that still? Yep, T-shirts, tumblers. In the Christmas season, I do ornaments, so I'm staying pretty busy. So, All right. And then your house. And then my house. How is that going? It's going. It's, so It's slow going, but it's going. Did you design your house or? It kind of. We There was a house there when we bought the lot. Um, it was pretty old, so we did knock it down. And we kept the same footprint. We added on a little bit. Um, but the layout on the inside, my dad and I worked through, and my dad and I are building it. But where you have the outside pretty much done we're working on electrical and we got four walls stood up on the inside all right and one night at youth group we had to take a picture inside of a house that's under construction and we all went inside your house to take a picture pretty sure my only my house was the only one in town i can say it's a very nice house at that time it was just wood yeah (laughs) but it's still just wood but (laughs) one one question i have before we move on is you have all these little side jobs you make t-shirts you know, you bake every once in a while. Are all these jobs to fund your um, concert-going experiences? I know you've been to a lot of concerts, and you were showing us pictures uh, the other yes, day. Yes, I have. I, I made a list, actually, the other day, and I've seen almost 30. They're all country artists, but almost 30 people. So uh, what is your favorite? Oh, we went to Reba last Saturday, and she was pretty good. She's right. a very good entertainer. And I was in Wichita? Was in Wichita. And I've seen Cody Johnson. He's really good. Um, Kenny Chesney. Who, so, who would your who would you say your favorite out of all genres music artist is? That's a tough one. I don't know. Depends on my mood. Right. So, so what a, what is the next concert you're going to? I I can't say. I mean, I is can't. Is it a secret? Well, it's a secret for one person that I don't know if she'll listen to the right. podcast. Uh, all right, well, we'll. I think we'll just jump onto our last question. Okay. Then. Yeah. So. Is there any advice you'd have to offer for any younger people who specifically want to pursue a, ke- a career in teaching? Um, really pursue your degree in a subject you love. I like math. I didn't necessarily get the math degree, but it'll make your job more fun if you were able to teach what you love. Um, so I like math, and it makes my job enjoyable. All right. And we're glad that you're a math teacher here. I know 
In today's yeah. day of age, it's very hard to find a math teacher, You're very especially in Southwest school. Kansas. So, all right. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks yep. for having thanks. me. Thanks. Thank you all for listening to the Rebel Ed Podcast. With everyone being on Thanksgiving break, there's nothing planned for this next week. But when school starts back up, we will have our first high school basketball game against Ashland Friday night. So with that being said, I hope everyone stays safe and has a great break. It's a great day to be a Rebel.